Welcome to the Spirit of West Texas podcast, where we are having real conversations with people who live and work in West Texas. Our guests this season will talk about their big dreams. They'll share about their challenges and successes that they've had along their journey. Listen in and we hope you'll learn something and maybe even have some fun with us along the way. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Jared. I am really excited for this interview today and I know you're going to tell me that we have to try to like keep it to a minimum length or a reasonable it's gonna length be tough. but I could just talk to her forever I feel like yeah we already have yeah yeah you we know have. What, <laughs> the best stories to me are the ones who where people leave West Texas and come back yes and this is one of those stories yes, so I'm excited about right. this one yes me too so our guest today is Allison Keeling she is the executive director of the Wallace Theater in Leveland she actually grew up in Leveland Jared hmm. and attended Texas A&M University we won't hold that against her no receiving a degree in business management. Upon graduation, she moved to Washington, D.C. and served at the U.S. Department of Education during the George W. Bush administration. Incredible, right? Following the administration, she became a project manager for Margaret Spellings and Company, an education policy and consulting firm. And then in January of 2014, she moved back to Texas. She moved to Dallas and began to work for um, the George W. Bush Presidential Center as a special projects manager, where she helped to develop and coordinate a conference for all university presidents in Texas. She also worked wow. on the development and implementation of the Presidential Leadership Scholars Program, which I really can't wait to visit with her about. Um, it is a partnership between the George W. Bush Presidential Center, the Clinton Foundation, the LBJ Foundation, and the George H.W. Bush Foundation. So Jared, after all this, I mean, <laughs> Allison decided to come back to her roots, and we're sure glad she did, yep. by returning to West Texas, where she calls Level Land home once again. Allison is a visionary, and I am really excited for her to tell us about the Wallace Theater and, and her family and all that's taking place just up the road in downtown Level Land. And we have Kenzie here with hey, us today. Kenzie. Welcome to the Yay. podcast studio, Kenzie. <laughs> you don't want to say hi? You don't want to, you want to sing something for us? No? Okay. I'll pass on this. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's right. not editing that out, FYI. You're going to be in the episode. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. I know. It is going to be fun. So let's jump in. Okay, let's do it. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast studio, Allison Keeling. Okay, so you have such a good story, Allison. We're so happy to have you here. And um, we need to just get to recording because we've already had like a 30-minute conversation before this episode even oh. started. We're happy to have you. I'm so honored. I mean, with with the list of people that you have had on this show, I am honored to be included in the group. And you guys are so much fun. So thank you so much for having me and letting me tell the story of the Wallace. Yes, we're so happy to have you here. So tell us. Um, Let's go back to actually when you were in college. So you graduate from A&M and you get a job in Washington, D.C. working for um, the Bush administration. Tell us about that. So um, I was a business management major. I had no idea what I really wanted to do, but Texas A&M has a great public policy internship program. They advertised it all over campus on all the computer screens in the library and posters. And on a whim, I just thought, well, I'll try that and see if that works out. I thought there was no way I was going to get in. Sitting in the, to waiting to go to the interview, I was sitting next to a girl who just finished an 
internship at the embassy of Sweden. (laughs) And I thought, well, this this is out. Um, But man, had a great interview. And so I got the internship and um, knew that that's what I wanted to do when I graduated. I actually interviewed on the phone the day that I graduated from A&M. So I graduated and then had a phone interview with the two deputy chiefs of staff for their assistant position. And so um, I got the job and my position was politically appointed. So that meant no matter who became the next president, I wasn't going to have a job in a year. And I was so excited. My first day on the job, somebody came up and said, "Um, great, welcome. What are you going to do next? (laughs) I don't know. I just got this job. But it was a great opportunity because at the end of the administration, people are looking for new jobs. So there was a lot of opportunity for me to take on more responsibility and get to do some things that I wouldn't have done at another point in life. So even though it was short and I wish I could have had that job longer, it was a great opportunity. So, I mean, I can't even imagine getting to Washington, D.C., starting there your first day. I mean, what what was going through your mind, honestly, at that point? Well, the great thing was, you know, I'd already had the internship in the summer and A&M has a great internship program. Texas Tech has a great internship program, too. So there's actually a lot of Texans up there. Great. And, you know, we Texans like to stick together. And so, you know, there was really just a great support network and there was a little bit of it being an extension of college for me. So I I felt like I had a safe network. I lived in Eastern Market. I was six blocks from the Capitol. And one of my favorite things to do when I lived there was actually um, go on a long run. And I could run down to the Lincoln Memorial and back to my apartment. It was right at six miles. That's incredible. Did you always dream of working in Washington, D.C.? I mean, when you were younger, when you were, you know, living in Leveland in elementary, junior high, high school, did you think that you wanted to leave and go to the East Coast? Was that in your plan? No, I'd actually, I think most of my life, it it really hadn't occurred to me to leave, um, in all honesty. So um, my parents, huge tech fans growing up, I yelled for Texas Tech, probably just I mean, I want to say louder than probably a lot of people. So when I decided to go to A&M, I had to eat a lot of words, yes. <laughs> um, but it was the right, it was the right place for me. Um, it was the right decision for me. And um, yeah, I mean, I had always had a plan. I was going to go to South Plains College and then transfer to tech. And I think when I was in high school there, it just all started to feel like I've got it already planned out way too much. I, you know, I need to go do something. I need to do something that's a little challenging or something, something different. And so, um, yeah, I went to A&M and then just had a lot of doors, um, and opportunities opened up for me and, um, never had thought about going to Washington DC, but took that internship and loved it. And, um, was very fortunate to have all of the opportunities to work there that I did and, and work with the people that I did. So if this is a dumb question, Jared, I want you to edit it out, but I mean, did you get to spend time with the president? So I have met the president a couple of times when I was in, um, when I was working in the administration, I did not a couple of things I got to do that were really cool. Um, they would have events on the white house lawn. So I got to go to the Easter egg roll that year while I was there. Um, when they would have state dinners, they would have these welcome ceremonies. So, um, when the president of Italy came to visit, um, I got tickets to go to that and, and get to be on the white house lawn, uh, 4th of July, they actually opened that up to all of the presidential appointees. Um, you can come and bring your family. So my parents actually flew up for the 4th of July and we got to go, um, 
watch the fireworks from the White House lawn, which was really neat. Um, But Margaret Spellings, she was the secretary of education and working for her. um, So I was a project manager there, but also her assistant. And she was such a great mentor to me. And there were a couple of times where President Bush had come into town and she called me and was like, Allison, do you want to meet the president? Then when I came and worked in Dallas at the Bush Center, um, there were opportunities to to get to meet the president more and, and get to interact with him. And he's just such a genuine, kind person, an incredible leader. Um, even when I left that position to move back home, um, President and Mrs. Bush actually do an exit interview with every employee. And again, you get to bring your family. So my parents came and we sat in his office and we actually talked about Leveland politics. Did you really? Yes, because um, Ronnie Jackson, who's now a congressman, um, he was the president's doctor in Washington, D.C. Ronnie is from Leveland. His dad was the mayor at the time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, this is once in a lifetime, I mean, incredible opportunities that you ha- have had. Do you have his phone number? Can we get him on the podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you help us get the president on the podcast? <laughs> I, I don't have that kind of pull. Yeah. Sorry. Well, so, okay. So 2014 rolls around and you are decide that you're done in Washington, D.C. or you and wanted to head back to Texas or it's just the opportunity presented itself. What was that transition like for you? So President Bush had actually called Secretary Spellings and asked her to move to Texas and lead the Bush Center. She asked me to come with her. And it was a hard decision for me because I loved my life in Washington, D.C., but again, still didn't know quite exactly what I wanted to do. And in all honesty, working at the at the Bush Center in Dallas, that really was a job opportunity that I just I couldn't pass up. So I moved down to Texas with her was a special projects manager. And within that year, I got to do two really cool things. Um, Coordinating the conference for all of the university presidents in Texas, like that was just such a neat thing to get to do. And the idea was to bring all of the presidents to the Bush Center to see what opportunities were there and available for, you know, students to come and interact with and on the policy level. Um, But the Presidential Leadership Scholars Program, that's one I always like to kind of promote in West Texas because we need somebody from Lubbock and West Texas to go be a part of that program. Um, This was really Secretary Spelling's um, big idea. And so getting to coordinate that, the idea is that there are 60 leaders from across the country, all different sectors, nonprofit, education, government, um, business. And so each person has comes to the program with their own personal leadership project. And they go to, they travel to each of the four presidential centers and learn leadership lessons from those presidencies. And the idea is that each year you're graduating a class of 60 people that are all principled leaders who've learned leadership from these four presidents. So interestingly, that all came from South Central Texas. And so the hope is that, you know, this group of people, they're going to be solving some of our country's greatest problems um, with the with the lessons that they've learned. So are you still involved in the Presidential Scholar Program? I am not now. Um, I So I worked on the initial setup. Um, we worked with marketing teams to put together the application process, do all of the rollout, coordinate everything between the four presidential centers. We worked with um, 
educators from Georgetown University to develop the curriculum. And my job was kind of to be that central point of contact to you know, just kind of keep all the trains moving and all the information together. Um, I did get to go back for the first year of the program and kind of help see all of that through. And the people that have gone through that program, I mean, they are just outstanding people doing really amazing things. And so it was such an honor for me to actually get to go back and, and see all of that work come to fruition. When was this established? It started, so you went to Dallas to work on this program in 2014. When did, when was the first class? The first class was 2015. Okay. Yep. So we'd actually started, there was um, a few of us that started working on to develop and flesh out the idea, um, in 2013, kind of you know, working to develop the proposal um, so that they could actually get with the other presidential centers, bring everybody on board. And then in 2014, um, we had to write grants to raise the money, do all of the work. It was a very fast timeline because um, we also wanted to get it going before the 2016 presidential election. Um, One of the key pillars of this program is that it is not... um, it's not political. You have people who are Republicans and Democrats, just like, you know, the split of the four presidents um, that are part of this program. And so we did a whole lot of work in about, um, you know, like 15, 16 months to really launch this program. So it was really incredible that it all, um, that it all came together. So I didn't know anything about it until I started preparing for this interview and it is incredible. Um, In fact, I got hung up on that specific website and had to say, okay, you can come back to this later on your own and look into it a little more. So you just said you would love to have somebody from West Texas as a part of the program. How would that happen? What are, what are, what are people listening if they're interested in this? What do they need to do? Yeah. So I would say go to the website, presidentialleadershipscholars.org. I believe it is. Um, you can also go to any of the four presidential websites, the, the bushcenter.org, um, and there will be a link to it there. Um, the application process I think it's open right now. And so basically you just go through the application process, apply. Um, They really are looking for people who are mid-career leaders. They have an opportunity to continue to grow in their leadership abilities. And um, you do the online application, then they'll narrow that down and then they'll do some in-person interviews and, and select that group of 60 people. But I think they also do a really great job of trying to get people from all across the country. So there's really a wide representation. And, you know, again, in West Texas, we represent more of a rural area. And so we want to make sure that we have representation in that as well. Yes. So you kind of, you finish that project and you make your way back to Leveland. What year is this? So 2014. So I was right in the middle of working on this incredible program, this incredible project. And, um, you know, my, so my Dad had bought the theater in 2002. My parents actually bought it, but it really was my dad who was like, I want to buy the theater because he came home and asked my mom, do you want to, what do you think about buying a theater? And (laughs) I can just imagine it was that conversation. It wasn't really on the top of her list, but (laughs) anyway, we, we moved forward with it. You know, he, both my parents grew up in Leveland. My dad, um, was, 
he was actually one of the leaders that helped start the Main Street program in Leveland. I'm pretty sure he coined the phrase living in Leveland and loving it. Um, if not, <laughs> he definitely exemplified it um, better than anybody else I can is think of. The, do you have bumper stickers? Like we have the bumper sticker. What does our bumper sticker say? Lucky me, I live in Lebec. Yeah. Y'all need bumper <laughs> we stickers. Need, we need bumpers. You know, I've tried to use it as a hashtag, but man, that gets really yeah. long. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, but so he bought the theater in 2002 and had been working on it, um, you know, done all the clean out work. He'd started doing some of the renovations. Um, but you know, it had gotten to a point where what he thought it was going to take to do the whole project, that was what he'd put in to renovate what we call the loft space. It's, it's right behind the balcony. It's where the Blankenship family lived when they built the theater. And we'd also gotten connected to a group called the League of Historic American Theaters. And I love to promote this organization. I actually now um, serve on the board. And that we went to we went to a conference. Um, my dad actually told my mom, I was living in DC at the time. This was probably 2012. Um, he said, Hey, I want you guys to come to this historic theater conference with me in San Diego. If you come, I'll take you to Napa. And that <laughs> said, done. done and done. <laughs> so I went, I didn't, I was like, whatever, this is not my thing. But there were just things that I sat in and listened on and realized there's so much you can do for a community with a theater. There's so much opportunity there. And so some of the things I'd heard started to sink in. Um, I knew in, in 2014, you know, I was, I was thinking about that, um, thinking about education, something I've always been passionate about and realizing that, you know, my dad had wanted to do this himself. He'd wanted it to be a family project, but we knew that was not going to be sustainable. Um, realized this was going to have to become a nonprofit. And to do that, you were going to have to run it, you know, as, you know, as an organization, kind of a, as a business. And so I just realized that's something that I want to do. And the work that I had been able to do on the Presidential Scholars Program really gave me um a foundation for the skill set that I needed to come and run this project because that was every step of the way starting up a brand new program. So how do you develop the idea? How do you get the right people involved? How do you raise the money? And how do you figure out how to sustain it? And so I certainly could have used probably another year or two of experience, but it was the right time um, because my dad had not always been in the best health and I just knew, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I need to go do it now. So, um, that was kind of what led me back. So the story of the Wallace theater goes back almost a hundred years, yes. right? Um, so kind of tell us a little bit about the history of the theater and, and in 1924, when, when Walter, or excuse me, Wallace Blankenship, you know, had the dream to build, a, build the finest show place in West Texas. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, I think the history is really exciting. Um, so the Blankenship family were actually some of the first families to settle out in Hockley County. They actually lived in one of the dugouts um, was where they started. But Wallace Blankenship um, got his start in the movie business actually in Ropesville. He had a truck that he would like drive around to smaller communities um, to show the movies. And there there is kind of a fun little connection for me. He actually went to Texas A&M University. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, he was really interested in sound engineering. And anyway, he was, you know, had the truck and um, 
he talked to the judge, one of the judges at the time, you know, around 1924. And the judge told him, you know, I think Leveland is going to be named as the seat for Hockley County. That's where you need to build your, build your theater, build your next theater. The very next day he came to Leveland and bought land, um, to build the theater. So the first theater, I think it was actually across the street from where the Wallace is now. It's kind of like an old tin barn building. We found a city council meeting minutes. The second city council meeting of Leveland was actually held in the Wallace, but it was in 1926. And I knew that, um, the Wallace we know today wasn't built until 1928. That's when we realized it was not the original location. So um, anyway, they'd had the first building and then um, built the Wallace. That was the it's the cornerstone of downtown. It was the theater that he had always dreamed of. By 1954, they actually had 30 theaters in the West Texas area. It was the largest small town theater chain in America. And we actually have letters from Bob Hope and Walt Disney, actually telegrams, I think, um, congratulating Mr. Blankenship on his success. That is incredible. Jared's geeking out. You know how much he loves Disney. A All huge Disney, Disney fan. Oh, yeah. oh, that's I'll so send you cool. a picture of the telegram. Oh my that's gosh, he'll amazing. die. Yes. That is amazing. What an incredible story. So your parents, okay, so George and Iris mm-hmm. decide, how, how did that come about? I know you talked about that for a second, but so they decide that 80 years later, your dad, George, decides that he has a dream um, that he wants to buy the theater. So what, where did it go from there? So, um, the theater had been in operation until the late eighties, maybe early nineties, um, and closed, you know, at at that point, um, the multiplexes were the thing. It was much easier for people to, you know, come back and forth to Lubbock. And so the theater as a movie house just had not been sustainable any longer. When my dad got involved with the main street program, you know, I think he saw that the opportunity there, um, there had also been, um, some other families in town that had owned the Wallace previously and, um, they need, you know, they weren't going to be able to do the renovation work that they had initially intended. So he kind of, he wanted to help out some other families and knew what a good thing it would be for our community. So I think that's where his passion started. Also, you know, anybody that I had talked to that grew up in Leveland in, you know, the fifties, sixties, seventies, they have incredible memories, um, of their childhood going to the Wallace, you know, it's like where, where they hung out. Um, you know, there, there's guys that talk about, Oh, well, right over in that chair was the first time that I got up the courage to stretch my arm and put it around my girlfriend for the first time, you know? And so, um, my dad wanted you know, kids in our town to have a place, um, that could create memories like that again, I think. And so I think that was something that motivated him. And, um, but he just really thought, Oh, we'll just, we'll just open up back up a movie theater again. Well, my mom and I joke that, you know, it's like the movie, the money pit with Tom Hanks, (laughs) you know, it's like things just keep costing more and more. Um, And so again, he had thought this could really, he had thought, oh, you know, I'll be able to put in a little bit of money. We'll have a movie theater again. Well, an old building, that's just not the case. And as we talked about what the Wallace could be long-term, for it to be truly sustainable, this is why a nonprofit is so important because, um, you know, we can raise funds through grant writing and people can make, you know, tax deductible donations where they get to invest and be a part of that. And so the whole community is building this theater. Um, anybody that, you know, donates 
anything, even a dollar. You, these people have invested and, and are now part of this project and, and bringing this to life. So was it a hard sell or was it easy to get the community behind you? You know, I think that we, so I moved back in 2015 and a lot of what we had to do at the very beginning, um, you know, you've got an old building, it's going to cost millions of dollars to renovate and restore. And, um, arts in West Texas are not always the easiest thing to, you know, raise money for. And what we really spent the first, um, you know, five to six years doing was building our programming and investing in the community and showing the community how the Wallace could truly be a service. There were some people that came in and there's kind of two types of people. You could walk in that auditorium. It still had a lot of junk in it. Um, a lot of stuff that needed to be cleaned. There were two types of people. They either walked in and saw all of the possibilities, these beautiful historic murals, you know, you get this great feeling when you walk in or they walked in and they saw all the junk and like, yeah, you know, (laughs) um, but, But as we started doing things for the community, you know, again, going back to education, um, providing theater education, um, we do character education programs, a program called uh, Generation Ziegler um, that um, promotes um, self-image relationships and goal setting. And it's a program for middle school students. I mean, we could all benefit from learning more about each of those topics, but um, working with our school system to implement um, a program that teaches those things through the arts and through a theater, I think that you can bring in education in a way that um, is going to engage students um, in ways that you can't always engage them in the classroom and maybe spark some more interest. So we worked hard to serve the community that way. We've worked hard to build relationships with foundations um, to bring in um, the grant money. And people love the Wallace Theater. You know, We've, um, we're not open right now because we're actually in major renovations, but, um, you know, we got the auditorium cleaned out. We were able to do some smaller events, some small concerts. And when people came to see shows in that auditorium, in that space, there's just this sense of magic. There's this great sense of community. There's a sense that you're in a place that's very, very special because not only are you there in this moment right now, but there's so much history there. And as we go through the renovations, it's very important to us that we ensure that when you walk in the Wallace Theater, you get the sense that you're walking back in time. But at the same time, it's this building in this space that's meeting today's needs. So your dad passed away in 2016. Mm-hmm. So what, what would he say if he were here today um, and seeing everything that's happening at the Wallace? Oh, I think, I think he would just be so tickled. He would be so proud. He would be so happy. Um, it's definitely grown to, I think, much be much bigger than what he originally thought it would be. Again, thinking just a movie theater, but now the way that we're, we're looking to serve the community, I go back to education, such a big piece of what we're doing. Um, our goal with our education department that we are um, working to get started right now, we want to serve all 4,500 students in Hockley County with arts and cultural educational programming each year, whether that's um, things that we're going to take to the schools to provide classes there, or it's field trips that they're coming to the Wallace. Um, it's just about giving access to all of the students in Hockley County in West Texas to arts that that haven't been available 
before. And I think that he would love that. He would love seeing all of the people that have gotten involved. Um, he would be overwhelmed and so thankful for everyone that has donated to the Wallace, um, to make it possible to do what we are doing today. And something that's we've done recently, that's been really neat before we started this last round of our major construction work. Um, the walls had to be kind of stripped inside the auditorium. And so we invited um, community members and our donors to come and sign the wall. And it's been really fun to actually read the signatures and what people have written. There's so many um, messages of, of hope and excitement for what people want the Wallace to be. There's connections to the memories that they have made there. Um, whether that was, you know, back in the 1960s, seventies, or, you know, it's the second graders that came on the Christmas field trip from sundown, you know, they're always going to be able to come back and know that they had a, their, their signature is on those walls. So at what point has it gone from maybe your dad's vision, your dad's dream to sort of your vision. Um, have you taken ownership of it? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Tell me about that. Um, you know, I think when I made the decision to move back home, um, it really, it really was my dream at that point. Um, it was my dream to extend the dream that he and and now my mom, um, had started, um, putting together the board for the Wallace theater, getting people to come on board and, and sign up for that. You know, we have 11 people on our board right now, absolutely incredible people. And, and they each come, you know, with different perspectives and, you know, hopes and dreams that they want for the Wallace. And it's so incredible to see that all of us collectively, you know, we want, we have this great vision for it. And for me, it just, it goes back to even when I was in DC, I loved that job, um, working at the department of education, but very early on, I just always felt this struggle between, I love this excitement. I love being up here at this high level, but I'm so far away from the people that our work is impacting. And now that's what's so exciting about the Wallace is that every day I get to see the, you know, the students that come to our weekend theater program or, um, you know, when people come to a concert or a show that we're putting on, I get to see the smile directly on their faces or over the years, I get to see the confidence of these students um, that they are building as they come to our theater programs. And I, I love that being so close to the impact that we're making. So is Leveland your home for good, you think? I, I love level land. Um, you know, I never, I was smart enough to never say never that I wouldn't leave. Um, but I could not be happier, um, to be, I'm living in level land and loving it. So, <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about, I, I, I don't want to get away from this interview without giving the opportunity to talk about the ways that you can support the Wallace and the revitalization program. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so a couple things. One, I didn't even go into, um, we, we have an incredible artistic director, Anna Hogan, um, that came on um, board with us at the end of 2021. Um, she's finished her first full year of live theatrical productions. We've done Sweeney Todd, Shakespeare in Hollywood, A Doll's House, and uh, just finished up with Rent um, a few weeks ago. Um, but the incredible talent that we have here in West Texas and that we get to work with as we produce live theater, um, people 
you know, come see our shows as we're doing our renovations right now. Um, we are partnering with Luca. We are so thankful for Luca, um, being our host and, and giving us a space to produce live theater. Um, I think our mission in live theater is that we produce in, um, more of an intimate style. It's, it's an intimate venue. When the Wallace is completed with renovations, we won't have more than 200 seats. We're actually going to have a flexible venue. So we've got, um, a stage that's going to have, um, platforms that can come out and extend to make it a deeper stage. You can run them kind of north and south so that you have almost a, a catwalk and can do theater in the round type of events. Um, so you're always going to have an experience. Our, our mission statement is um, creating experiences that entertain, inspire, and empower. So get involved by coming to see our shows. Um, we post those on Facebook and Instagram, our website. Um, and then also one of the things for renovations we are working to finish raising the money to restore the historic marquee and blade sign. Yes. Um, it, this is this tall, 42 foot tall sign um, that's got, you know, it spells out the Wallace going up and down. And um, on the bottom around the marquee, you know, we're going to have the big light bulbs that you think of when you think of an old movie theater um, marquee and folks can actually purchase their own light bulb um, and before you um, before we install the sign we'll actually invite everyone out they'll get to screw in their own light bulb so every time you come to the Wallace you can point and say that's my bulb the seventh one from the top on the right, that's my bulb. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's yes. great. Cool it's going to be so fun. And then we'll have a plaque um, that's going to be on street level underneath it that actually that recognizes all of the donors. Um, people can make donations. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, you can make a donation to support our renovations. You can make a donation to support our education or our theater programs. Um, any way you do, you are investing in an organization that um, is going to make a what we hope to be a really wonderful um, impact and a difference in our community as we get to provide a whole new generation with experiences around arts and culture that haven't been available um, in Hockley County in West Texas until now. So Allison, I have the opportunity from time to time to meet with college students and young people and talk to them about, you know, careers in marketing. And, and for the most part, they've either come to tech um, or come to West Texas from the Metroplex or Houston or Austin, somewhere, you know, somewhere else in our state, or they grew up in West Texas like myself and are just dying to get out um, and move on to bigger and better things. What, what advice would you have for those um, young people that are anxious to find something bigger and better than West Texas? You know, I, I understand the draw, I guess, but I don't think there's anywhere better than West Texas. You can't find better people in the world than you can find right here in West Texas. And you can have all of the same opportunities. You just may need to, to figure out how to create them. Allison, I, I didn't even know all of the, the programming that you've been talking about. I didn't know that that was a part of the Wall Theater. But I have to tell you, I grew up in Odessa, Texas. I went to Permian High School. I mean, Friday Night Lights, the whole thing. Um, and I wasn't a star athlete. I wasn't a star student, but I did grow up doing community theater in Odessa and I loved it. And it's where I kind of found my place and what I loved doing. And I know Jared feels the same way. He's mm -hmm. in, 
he's an arts, um, student of the arts as well. And so, um, I understand that there's lots of kids out there that, you know, um, with the emphasis in sports, you know, that's a lot of pressure on them and they may not be able to find their place there. So, um, I think it's incredible what you're doing to, to introduce students to the arts that may not have had that opportunity otherwise. Well, thank you. And um, you mentioned, you know, finding your place. One of my all-time favorite stories about something we've done at the Wallace, we have a summer theater camp. And a few years ago, um, we had some kids come. So their their grandmother has been a loyal supporter and donor of the Wallace. Their whole family is actually. But um, the grandmother called her daughter and said, Robin, I think you need to take the kids to theater camp. Robin said, no. The kids cannot go to theater camp. Mason cannot go. Um, Robin's son, Mason, is actually on the spectrum, and he hadn't had an opportunity to participate in things like this before, but, you know, her mother kept encouraging her, and she will say this verbatim, I begrudgingly took the kids up to theater (laughs) camp, but she takes them up there, and Mason just fell in love with it by the end of the week. And I couldn't believe this. He had learned 40 pages of lines and he was, he had the lead in the play for theater camp that year. And he was just beaming on the stage. And Robin now talks about how, um, because of theater camp at the Wallace, Mason has found his place. He's found his fit. And, um, you know, he's now starring in, in the school play. And it's just such a wonderful thing that we've been able to provide that opportunity for him. It's, it's all about opportunities. Um, another great story from theater camp. So, um, very first camp that we have, um, Lizzie comes into camp and they're just, the first thing they do, they're just going to read a script. Lizzie was so nervous. She pulled her hoodie over her head, turned around, didn't even want to read a line. Well, by the end of the camp, Lizzie's got the lead in, in the show. Um, moving forward, Lizzie's continued to come to our theater camps. She's done our Wallace Weekend Players Program, where we um, bring in theater students from Texas Tech to, to teach different theater activities to students. Um, she's gotten very involved in her school productions. Well, Lizzie applied and was accepted to Kristen Chenoweth's Broadway Boot Camp Whoa. in oh Oklahoma. Gosh. Yes. Well, unfortunately, it was the year of COVID. Oh, no. And so she didn't get to go in person, had done done the camp virtually. Well, you know, you'll remember in, um, you know, October, I think of last year, 2021, um, Kristen actually came to Buddy Holly she Hall. Mm-hmm. We got tickets. We took Lizzie. And for me, one of the really cool things, Kristen's standing up on stage. She's starting to talk about her theater in Oklahoma. And she said she called her dad and said, dad, they're, they're going to name a theater after me. Like, I'm, I'm not ready for that. And he said, Kristen, you've got a theater. What are you going to do with that? The next thing is Kristen keeps talking about Broadway boot camp, And then she says, and Lizzie Corley, I know you're out there in the audience. Whoa. Oh my gosh. The, <laughs> the look on Lizzie's face 
was priceless. And to me, it speaks volumes to the kind of person that Kristen is, that she took the time to recognize this young aspiring actress out in the audience at that show. I mean, that show was just amazing, life-changing for me, honestly, because it was so phenomenal. But um, then I got a text message that um, said, hey, come to the elevators after the show. And we were actually able to um, get Lizzie backstage. Kristen wanted to meet her. So went back there and, you know, had the masks on and everything. But but Lizzie got to go in and say hello to Kristen. Kristen took the time and made the opportunity for Lizzie to come have a meeting with her. And it was it was just one of the best nights of my life. That is incredible. Oh, my gosh. Allison, you have a theater and look at what you've done with it. Mm. Thank you. Congratulations to you. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thanks for having me. Amy, that was so fun. It was so fun. That was so fun. She's so fun. I love, and I've I've talked to you about this before, but I love these stories of people, and she mentioned Mason and Lizzie, and people finding their, their place. It gets me emotional sometimes just thinking about some people don't ever find that, and she's providing a spot for that, and I, I love those stories. I do, too. How cool. I do, too, and I'm telling you, the joy on her face the mm-hmm. entire interview mm-hmm. when she was talking about the Wallace, when she was talking about her parents, especially when she was talking about Leveland and the people in Leveland. Yeah. Um, we are lucky to have her here. Absolutely. I mean, she's incredible. Yeah. And humble and kind and fun. Yeah. And what a cool idea that she had, or and, and maybe this is something that, that happens that I'm just not aware of, but but turning it into a nonprofit to be able to bring the whole community yes. is involved, and they're, they've all got a piece of of the history of the place. You yes, know? they're how, all what, proud of awesome. it, yeah, and invested in it, and not just, it doesn't belong to her family any longer, mm-hmm. it belongs to the community in West Texas, and um, I mean, it's, it's a truly is a special place. I feel like Allison is literally making a difference in her little corner of the world. And by little corner, I mean the little corner that that the Wallace Theater sits on in Leveland. Absolutely. It's pretty incredible. So we want our listeners to be able to learn more about the Wallace Theater and maybe even experience it for themselves in person, Jared. So we are going to give away a membership to the Wallace Theater. And I, isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. I know. Once again, you can't win, but Ah. you can find more information about how to win listeners. If you will find us at spiritofwesttexaspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.